Although I'm a doctor by profession, I'm not your doctor. All content and information on this podcast and on our website is for informational and educational purposes and does not constitute medical advice and does not establish any kind of patient-client relationship by use of our site. Although we strive to present accurate information, the podcast and website are not a substitute for your healthcare provider. Always consult a healthcare professional who knows your particular needs and circumstances before making any healthcare decisions. Also, there are curse words that are unedited and graphic descriptions of bodies, bodily fluids, and other real-life scenarios that might make some listeners uncomfortable. Yeah, I said it. I'm Dr. Suzanne Ciotti. And I'm Becca Hammer. Welcome to the Perry Meta Podcast. podcast. We're continuing our conversation with Stephanie Ann, our guest over these last two episodes for the acupuncture episode. In last week's episode, we discussed the basics of acupuncture, how it fits into Chinese medicine and Chinese medical philosophy, and really laid a nice groundwork for um, how Chinese medicine thinks about the body and how acupuncture fits into it. Today, we're going to continue our conversation with Stephanie Ann and Suzanne. Excellent. Well, so a lot of the people listening will have experience with Western medicine, as we've already discussed. So I'd like to hear from both of you. How would you describe the relationship between what acupuncture can bring and also with it, uh, also working with standard Western medicine. So for example, if I'm on estrogen replacement therapy, if I'm on an antidepressant, how, where's the intersection of what, Stephanie, you can provide and how should I think about working, Suzanne, with you? How should I think about working with both of you? No, that's okay. I know it's a co- it's complicated because we don't learn a lot uh, in Western medicine about acupuncture. So some of us are don't know know as much. So you might get a different um, different ideas depending depending on your provider. Right. I think it is helpful uh, to tell your practitioner that that's one of the things you're doing, uh, and and especially if you're taking any kind of herbal supplements, it's a good idea. Of course, like we've talked about previously to let the practitioner know just in case there's some sort of interactions with medicines that you're currently taking. And it, and it's still important, even though you might be, um, you know, just really wanting to work with the acupuncturist to let your provider know the symptoms that you're going through as well, because they might may have some insight into some treatments that might be useful, or they may need to rule out certain things like we've talked about before. Maybe your thyroid is out of whack. Maybe you need to make sure that your blood sugar is okay. And, and, um, you know, so they they make sure your blood pressure is okay because you're going through some tremendous changes. To me, it's just, it's just good to let your provider know. Yeah. I I think that we need to have a tribe of healers and, um, we, we need to not look to one thing for a solution because, you know, I certainly wouldn't want somebody coming in here if they were having an appendix, you know, <laughs> attack or, <laughs> or, or, or a heart attack or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know. And modern medicine has things to offer just as does 
you know, ancient medicines. Um, and doing it together integratively is so important. And I'm, I'm with you. You know, the first thing I ask a new patient is, what are your medications? Are you taking other supplements? It's important to know what is actually going on because there are some you know, in the, in the herbal realm, there are some herbs that you do not want to give patients if they're on, you know, certain antidepressants and things like that. So I think it's, it's really important. Multiple heads are better than one <laughs> in, in the realm of, of health. So yeah, I, I agree with all of that. And it really is um, an education, at least for me, I find myself being an educator a lot, um, having had some background in modern medicine, it's important to educate people, even if they're like, you know, some people come in and say, I have a, I have a, a sinus infection. And I'm like, you know, go get antibiotics. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, you know, it's, it, yeah, the, Chinese herbal medicine has, you know, herbs that are, you know, antibiotic and all of that stuff. It's great, but I'll tell you what, if the ancient Chinese had antibiotics, they'd be using it. <laughs> so it's, there's certain things that are just kind of, you know, no brainers. Yeah. And some people really fight, you know, modern medicine. And I'm like, it's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. If there is time and place, I talk about time and place a lot with people. It kind of goes back to the five elements and time and space, but there's time and place and there's dosage. So, you know, you always have to look at time and place. There is a time and place for everything. Mm -hmm. And you just have to know um, and understand your own body enough to say when that time and place, is, you know. So what, I, so what I hear from both of you really is don't compartmentalize your health. If you're seeing an acupuncturist and you're seeing your regular doctor or your gynecologist or whoever it is, just information is power and making sure that everybody's all on the same page because you're the center of the world, right? When it comes yeah. to, when it comes to this, yeah. they're all working for you. Don't keep one of them in the dark or, or keep them apart from each other. Uh, because what one might do would definitely influence what the other one does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it I, seems it's very straightforward. I have, and, and if you think about uh, Chinese medicine being kind of this balance of systems and, you know, say there's an imbalance that's been going on for years and years and years, well, maybe it will manifest as something more severe, like a tumor or cancer. And it's, it's good to have your Western medicine doctor on board doing the CT scans if they're necessary or making sure that your mammograms are up to date. So you, you know, they, they definitely, uh, one is, I think Western medicine is really good at looking at that part of it, more severe illness, more, um, kind of like cancer related heart disease related. And, and we talked about before, as you get older, um, you know, as women get older, we're more prone to things being genes being turned on that might cause us to have like increased blood pressure or now we're at higher risk for heart disease or stroke. And you definitely want to be doing the proper screenings for that as well. Yes, absolutely. Well, so one of the things that you have mentioned a couple of times throughout our conversation, Stephanie, is herbs. Now, Suzanne and I just did our last episode was about herbs and over the counter. Something tells me, something, something tells me that we are not talking about the same thing when you talk about uh, uh, herbs in Chinese medicine. Correct. Yeah. I mean, there's always nuances with Chinese medicine, isn't there? It's funny. I always have all these, what I call Chinese-isms. <laughs> I'm like, in Chinese medicine, there's a saying. <laughs> I don't know how many times I say that in a day. But yeah, as it relates to herbal medicine, um, it's... You know, uh, they were brilliant observationists. 
Okay. They didn't have mm-hmm. microscopes. They didn't mm-hmm. have, yeah, they didn't maybe. have all these tech, you know, scientific tools. They had the power of observation and the power of, of watching, you know, the greater whole moving through the seasons. And so why that's important is because when we talk herbally, you know, and acupuncture and herbs, we can kind of speak the same language, but they're very different in terms of the, the structure. Um, and herbs, we're looking at how do these plants work together? How do they come together? Um, you know, Western herbalism is, is very uh, reductionist mm-hmm. in, let's just use the example of turmeric, okay? Mm-hmm. Turmeric's kind of a popular one right now. We just talked about it. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, um, people want to take turmeric. They come in and they say, should I take turmeric? Well, yes, but we always want to look at, again, I go back to the five elements and the relationship of the whole. We want to look at, well, what does turmeric do well with something else? And can it be more powerful with something else? And so, you know, an example that's tossed around out, you know, in the ether um, is, you know, taking turmeric with black pepper. <gasps> Suzanne, I said so, it! <laughs> so, you know, there are these things, they're, they're, they're what we call, um, you know, in, in herbal land, they are these uh, marriages between herbs, and they have very potent effect. You know, like Donggui, which is Angelica, or Baishao, which is white peony root. Those are two premier women's herbs. You will find those a lot in women's formulas. They have very magical properties together. Um, and, you know, and they are actually stronger together than they are individually. So it's the idea that we're taking these herbs and we're, we're, we're putting them together to get wonderful, you know, like something bigger and more powerful. And plus we want to balance things out, like back to the idea of not having enough yin when we're, we're in menopause, perimenopause. Um, we don't want to, uh, give too many yin herbs to somebody because it's what is called cloying. Okay. So, um, Romania root, for example, is one that we give a lot of women in, in perimenopause, menopause, and it's the root of, of this plant. Um, it's very dark and tar-like and thick. Okay. Now think about trying to digest that. Yeah. It's it, what we say cloying. It's hard on the digestion. It can make you gassy, you know, <sighs> just, it, just not pleasant if you take it by itself. However, if you take it with something like ginseng, or with a digestive herb, it is going to help mitigate the side effects of that herb and, and still get the benefit of what we're trying to do, like nourishing the yin and the blood. So we're, we're always looking at that in Chinese medicine. There are what we call patent formulas. They are classical formulas mm-hmm. um, that have been passed down through you know thousands of years. There are also more modern formulas, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think a lot of herbalists kind of practice in between those you know some have full-on pharmacies where they can customize formulas and other people use just you know the prepackaged capsules oh right 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 with with the classic formula but i think the, and the, the same thing really applies here if you're ta- if you went to the local herb shop and you bought some valerian root or some St. John's Ward or something like that, you definitely want to tell your acupuncturist what you're on mm-hmm. because interactions can be everything and you don't want to have negative side effects. You don't want to go overboard. You don't want to have a counter um, productive experience with your herbs. Yeah. And, you know, a really great point to this is um, cold and flus. Okay. This, uh, when you get a flu um, in Chinese medicine, you might have to change your your herbal formula four or five times between the course of the onset of the flu 
and when you are finished with it. Oh. So a lot of people will come in and say, oh, yeah, I went and got some Chinese herbs at the, you know, at Vitamin <laughs> Cottage or at the, you know, <laughs> Whole Foods store. <laughs> and they're like, didn't work. And I'm like, that's probably because it wasn't the right timing right. and it wasn't the appropriate formula. Mm -hmm. So it, it is a little bit, you know, complicated. And, and there was many years ago, there was a, an, a Chinese medicine doctor who tried to put these like stands in, in these alternative, you know, like vitamin stores and things oh, like boy. that. And it failed miserably because you, you don't, you have to know what your pattern is kind of back to the, <laughs> to the greater picture of it. And so you can do a lot of damage with herbs. And I think a lot of people think herbs and supplements are not. They're always natural. Yeah, so they must natural, be perfectly healthy and they can't hurt me. But you can really, you can really mess, you know, like if you don't need a certain herb, it's going to make you unhappy. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's good to, and especially from a Chinese herbal standpoint, um, you know, understand your pattern before you take the herbs. Okay. Well, yeah. so I'm sold, right? And I'm thinking I might be a listener who's saying, yeah, okay, yes, sign me up. I'm good with this. What's important to know about acupuncture treatments? So, so for example, uh, this is probably not a one and done. This is, this ain't get a shot and be cured mm -hmm. kind of situation. So again, so it's along those lines, what, how should I think about my, my engagement, if you will, with, with an acupuncturist? That's a really good question. Um, it's, I like to think of health and health practice and treatments as a process, not an event. Okay. I so, like that. you know, if, if we are looking at it that way, you're absolutely correct. This is usually not a one and done. You know, there's there's those few people come in with back pain and you do one treatment. And they're like, ah, I'm great. <laughs> Not usually the case. Um, and it is really a process of unfolding. You know, as Suzanne had mentioned a, a minute ago, you know, it takes years for some things to kind of show up. Um, so it might take time for it to unravel, so to speak. So, you know, it, an acupuncture treatment kind of it it can vary among practitioners sure. and how they, you know, because there's what we call community acupuncture places out there that have a bunch of chairs in, in one room and, and you go and you sit with a bunch of people and they just put needles in you. Really? Around. Yeah. Oh. And, you know, it's a cost affordable way to do that. I don't practice that way because, again, I kind of back to the beginning of the conversation. I want to know your story. Yeah. I want the context and I want to get to know your body and you uh, it's really hard to do in that kind of environment. Because so, I don't think we've ever done the exact same treatment no. two times in a row. So I can't imagine going like, here's my, here's where they go and handing them a piece of paper. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's yeah. another day story. But yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. And, it, it, you know, so I, I practice very intuitively. I'm listening to your body. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you come in for a treatment. The first treatment you're going to, we're going to sit down for an hour and a half. Like I said, we're going to map you out. We're going to talk about all the things and, and then we're going to come up with a plan and we're going to do it together. And then I get you on the table. We feel pulses in Chinese medicine. So a lot of people are like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> what's happening? And so I just, you know, in a brief explanation, I, I can feel all of your organs in your body. Oh. And I can kind That's of amazing. see what is going on with the energy. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so acupuncture is about balancing the energy. So if I am successful in a treatment, your pulse feels the same on both sides and it has the same pulsation. It's not rapid, it's not slow, it's not tight, you know, and so we're, we're balancing that energy. Um, and one of the lovely things about an acupuncture treatment, and you've 
experiences, and I know you have too, Suzanne, um, is that you get to rest. <laughs> it is it is a silly sounding thing, but I have a lot of people ask me if I have a room where they can go and stay for the you know another hour. <laughs> I, I, I suggested that Stephanie needed to uh, build a room of repose, yes. which is the time after my right. treatment where I can just still stay in that totally groovy, feeling like I'm a little high, I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the chill yeah. room, the chill room. The chill room, yeah, and it's, it's, um, it's one of the most important parts of the treatment, you know, so I, you know, if, if the treat, the treatment's an hour long for me, so we spend about a half an hour talking, and I get needles in, and then I, you know, get you all cocooned up, I put some heat on your feet, <laughs> look, yeah. turn out the lights, and I let you, you rest for about 25, 30 minutes. So you sit there and marinate, excellent, yeah. side note, can you just talk about the tongue thing? Oh, yes, I tongue. Because, like, nobody, yeah. I mean, unless my throat is sore in Western medicine, ain't nobody gonna look at my tongue, yeah. so... <laughs> yeah, it is a very bizarre thing. Um, I don't look at tongue as much as I use pulse because pulse changes instantly. Tongue takes a little while to change. You know, it's, it's much slower in change. But it's a cool thing kind of to the microcosm of the body. Just like Suzanne was talking about ear acupuncture. Yes. We can treat the whole body with the ear. Crazy. We can treat the bottom of the foot with the whole body. And so the tongue is kind of a microcosm of our organs. So we're looking at... Is your tongue swollen? Is it dry? Is it wet? Where are we having things happen? I just stuck my tongue <laughs> out. <laughs> and, you know, we want to look at the thickness of the coat. It gives us all kinds of good information. And again, I always like to remind people, when you come in here, I am not talking about pathology with you. I'm talking about imbalance. This is not about you having another disease state or something mm. going on that's wrong with you. This is about where are we going to go to get it back into balance? Mm -hmm. And so I always am very, um, I, I say that a lot because I don't want people to think that there's just one more thing that's wrong with them. Right. And then when you start feeling better, I'm going to say, hey, well, that's exactly what we were working on. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, back to the treatment, you rest. Um, and then, you know, we, we do a series of treatments. I usually um, recommend women because we are cycle-based with the moons. Um, that we do, you know, six weeks to eight weeks. So we can get a good two quote unquote cycles in. Mm -hmm. um, and that'll give us some really good feedback on what's going on with the body, you know, how you're feeling, how things are changing, all that. Cool. Uh, okay. I'm going to do it for those of you. Can we address the porcupine in the room? Um, there are people out there who are like, yeah, that all sounds fabulous, ladies, but uh, I don't do needles. Like, n no needles. No, no. And nobody's sticking needles in me because I pass out at the thought of having needles. Mm -hmm. Does that mean acupuncture's off the table for me? Or how do you... I'm, I, there have to be people who have come in before telling you all this. What do you yeah. do? Another great question. <laughs> um, it's like yeah. I write on myself. Yeah, no, it's... Um, it is... Uh, there are so many things that we can do in the treatment room. You know, kind of at, when, at the beginning of the conversation, we were talking about um, cupping and yeah. and moxa. And, you know, we can use tuning forks. We can use, I, there's a Japanese technique called shonishin. It's just the scraping of channels mm -hmm. on the skin and stimulating the points with a little pointer thing. Okay. And, you know, so there's, there's many ways that we can stimulate acupuncture points. And actually, you know, when I am doing coaching with, with my patients, I will actually have them work on stimulating the point themselves. You can stimulate the point with your mind through meditation, you know, if you understand the energetics of that point. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many ways that you can get to it. So needles are not necessarily um, required, 
uh, they are very beneficial. But you know, keep in mind that 2,000 years ago, they didn't have machined needles, okay? They didn't have the kind of needles we have. So acupuncture probably wasn't what it was now. They used whatever means they could to stimulate those points. Mm-hmm. We can customize it to help whoever, however... Th- that the person feels about needles, we don't even have to go there. Well, and talk a little bit, Suzanne, talk about the difference between a hypodermic needle that you might have experienced in the doctor's office getting a shot right. and an acupuncture needle, because they are not the same. And if that's your issue, this could be tremendously helpful. So that we kind of could talk about the width of our needles being a gauge, lower the gauge, the the, the bigger the diameter of the needle. So for instance, when you're getting a blood draw, that gauge needle might be an 18 gauge needle, which is uh, it's a, the smaller a number big is fatty big. Boom right, big fatty, fatty boom balladi. needle. Exactly. It might actually leave a little hematoma after you're done, especially because we've been messing with the vein. And then when you go to doing an injection, your uh, needle might be 25 gauge. So that's like, that's a little bit higher. That makes it a smaller needle. And then when you go to the realm of acupuncture needles, they're 31, 32 gauge, which is like half the gauge of what your needle was for your blood draw. So they're super skinny. And um, actually, I feel like they're, you know, you know, so I'll actually show patients with just putting one in my own hand. Look, see how easy that is, Um, because they they really don't usually leave too much of a mark, even after you remove them. They're so small that when they're removed, oftentimes there's not any bleeding. Uh, Sometimes acupuncturists will try to stimulate some bleeding because it's a therapeutic modality um, by massaging around it before they pull it out. But but usually they're they're much different than uh, than needles that we use in Western medicine. We like to use all the painful stuff, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. These are yeah. different needles it's... entirely. Yeah, and you know the the Japanese um, really kind of hone the craft of the acupuncture needle. You know, that's kind of the the Mercedes of the acupuncture needle. So um, they do those kind of things well, though. They don't do. They, they do. It's, it's an art. Um, you know, and and I always like to tell people, you know, the hypodermic needle, we're we're putting something in the body typically, or taking something out, and right. so that's really kind of where I think. From a chi perspective and energy perspective and blood, that's where it really hurts ah, because you know we're we're not we're not do we're not doing anything to the we're just stimulating a point as opposed to trying to take something out or put it in right mm-hmm. and Good so day. you know and and a lot of people will experience uh, a warm sensation you know they might feel a little something go in or if I get it in incorrectly and it, you know, it, it feels nervy, we'll put it somewhere else, you know, but for the most part, you know, people will feel warmth. It might feel a little achy, you know, you might be resting on the table and have one point perk up and then it goes right back to sleep. (laughs) That happens to me. Or you might feel like you have a needle somewhere and you don't. Yeah. I have that happen a lot. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's interesting. I always ask every single time I come in, I'm like, what did your body say? And what did you feel? Because we can always kind of tie it back to what I was doing in the treatment or to what we were talking about. So, you know, the needle is, um, I, I like to say they're like little antennas. Um, right. I we, love that. We yeah. connect them together. And if we do it well, the body's going to get the message. Mm-hmm. I like that way of saying it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just, I just. I love the antennas. <laughs> I, I really want to encourage people who do have needle phobia to 
please do not let that prevent you from seeking acupuncture treatments. Um, it is a it is a very very different experience than what you've understood and when during a blood draw or something like that uh, or a tattoo. It is I mean for me not painful. Not you're always like take a breath in, breathe out. Yeah, I'm like why? Right. It doesn't even hurt. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you probably have a reason that's well beyond that. But anyway, well, it goes back to yeah. that breathing thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, breathe. You know, oh, breathing. We, we, I like to have Hold people breathe. Breath. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then it settles you even more. It does. You know, <laughs> it's a fa- it's worth it. The the effect yeah. of acupuncture is worth it. Well, excellent. So, okay, again, so you've overcome my fear of needles. I think I'm going to have some symptoms alleviated. I'm going to get my yin and yang in balance. I'm going to feel better. How do I start? So I'm go- when I'm going to look for a practitioner, are there any kind of certifications, specialties that I should watch out for, questions that I should ask a provider to make sure that they're knowledgeable about perimenopause? For perimenopause and menopause, um, I always say look for a practitioner that has a master's of oriental medicine. And yes, they still haven't changed the word oriental medicine. I don't know why. It's one of my biggest beefs. Like, why are we still calling it this? But it's so you're going to look for an M-S-O-M at the end of their name. M-S-O-M. Yes. Okay. In addition to L-A-C, which is licensed acupuncturist. Oh, okay. Because... Um, there are acupuncturists out there and no fault to them. They're just acupuncturists. Okay. They didn't go through the internal medicine piece of the, of, of the education. So, you know, I, I do think that herbs are an important part of a perimenopausal menopausal journey, um, in addition to acupuncture. So I, I think you really need to be looking for somebody who is a trained herbalist as well as an acupuncturist. Okay. Yeah. And another side note, um, Make sure that they practice the medicine. Um, it's, What's it's, that mean? It's, so there is, there's a lot of acupuncturists out there who try to practice this medicine through the lens of Western medicine. And it's not right or wrong, but it, well, no, I am going to say it isn't <laughs> right because you can't overlay a different paradigm on top of another one. It's good to have the information. Like I'm always operating in the background. I'm thinking about, you know, modern science and anatomy and physiology, all the things. But when I am making a diagnosis, when I am doing a treatment, I go back to the medicine. I go back to what we talked about at the beginning, that acupuncture is a part of a bigger whole. I stay true to what I have I have been taught to treat. And I think that's also important because we need to stay in our lanes. I am not a medical doctor. And I tell people that all the time. I, you know, you, you have your doctor. I'm, if I see something, I'm going to say, go talk to your doctor about this. And so I just, you know, I, I feel very strongly that, you know, if you're looking for an acupuncturist, look for somebody who is practicing their craft and, and the way that it was meant to be practiced. Okay. And of course, Add in all the other things. So, yeah. Anything else? And, oh, you know what I wanted to say, too, is, and I will say this from experience, I had gone to an acupuncturist once before, and my results were less than stellar. Um, I didn't like his mannerism. I didn't like when I told him what was wrong that he goes, hold on, let me go look that up. Um, and, and maybe you need to look things up, but don't tell me you have to go look it up. And and again, the, the experience was... Felt really high, really nice at the end, but it, I didn't get any relief for what I came in for. And so, 
I stopped going there, but it didn't sour me on what it could still bring to the table. Yeah. And that's when I found you. So if at first you don't succeed with somebody, please don't let that stop you from finding, just like anybody, if you got a bad hairstylist, you're gonna go find one who does it. If you have a bad OBGYN, you're gonna go find one who you, you jive with. Same thing with your acupuncturist. Yeah, yeah, Is that absolutely. right? To, yeah, okay. don't, don't give up because everybody has a different need. Like let's say you're a marathon runner. You're going to want to find an orthopedic acupuncturist. Yeah. You're oh not my going, gosh, you, yes. you know, you're not going to want to find an acupuncturist who's focusing on your emotions and how stressed you are. And, <laughs> you know, and every, there's so many ways to practice this medicine. So it is asking really good questions and finding the rapport, you know, finding the person that you, you are getting results with and that you feel a rapport with and yeah. trust. Yeah. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And one thing I want to say is that there are some modalities out there that seem to be like acupuncture, but are not exactly. And one of them is oh, uh, dry needling, like uh, what you might get with a physical therapist. They're similar points, uh, and but they're and they it seems to work pretty well for some people, but it's not exactly the same as working with an acupuncturist who's taking your case and looking at your patterns involving the the five elements. It's more pain based. Uh, or kind of uh, trigger point based. And the other one is trigger point injections. So that's another uh, like pain management modality where the practitioner, maybe maybe a, a licensed practitioner or an MDDO um, who will do injections like low dose steroid injections or, um, or even kind of lidocaine inge injections in order to help alleviate pain. And there, and actually, when we do Botox for migraines, we do them on acupuncture points. Not that any many practitioners realize that's what they're doing, but remember that these, like Stephanie said, are modalities, uh, especially with the inject trigger point injections and with Botox for migraines, where you're introducing a substance into the body, and we're using much bigger needles. So if you've had that experience and that kind of steers you away from acupuncture, realize that it's completely different. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention is that sometimes after an acupuncture treatment, it might be normal to have an exacerbation and that might be a good thing. <laughs> so if what? You, wait, yeah, say more about that. Yeah. Where it, cause it might steer you away, uh, from doing it again. So when you have a treatment where you, you have the acupuncture needles put in and then say you go away and you felt pretty good after the treatment, but maybe the next day you noticed you had a little bit worsening of some of your, your symptoms of some sort, uh, whatever, maybe your hot flashes, for instance, that might actually be a good sign that, that your acup acupuncturist picked the right area because you had a change, but you'd want to mention it to them the next time that you go in that that happened and they can adjust things a little bit, but it doesn't mean that each time you're going to have that happen, but it might be a sign to report back and shouldn't steer you too far away from, from doing it. Oh, so yeah, they're not making it worse, right? Because that's how some people would think. It would be like, right. well, I had this done, and then it got worse. Right. I'm yeah. sure as yes. hell not going back. Right. Yeah, and that is such a good. That point, is so Suzanne. good to point yeah. out. Yeah, and and a lot of people, you know, I've been getting acupuncture regularly for 18 years, and you know, I've had all different kinds of reactions. You know, there's been days where. I get a treatment and I have to go home and go to bed and then I feel great the right. next day or I felt mm -hmm. awesome and I, you know, had so much energy. It really is about whatever the body is needing at that point. 
is going to um, show itself. Mm-hmm. That's how I like to kind of explain it to people um, because we we are we are giving the body information when we are doing an acupuncture treatment. It's it's not as simple as you know we're releasing endorphins and we're moving blood. We're doing all those things, but there's information that's being moved around, so to speak, and so your body's going to respond in different ways. And I, and I think kind of back to your point on the dry needling um, thing, you know, Dr. Ch- Janet Travell back in the seventies uh, kind of wrote the tome on uh, in trigger point uh, release mm-hmm. and they were using hypodermic needles back then. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it kind of fell flat because it was super painful oh. to, to get stabbed with a, a hypodermic needle. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the filiform needle, the acupuncture needle came about and, and, you know, they're like, oh my God, this is great. We can go back to trigger point therapy. So I always like to educate people on dry needling because dry needling is a local stimulation of, of, of a muscle usually that is misbehaving. Um, so you acupuncture usually, like I always joke, I don't like to poke the bear. <laughs> so I oftentimes, if somebody has back pain, I don't go to their back and to stab it and stab it. I go, I go to hands, feet, and I use other points outside of the body to relieve the pain. Most people are really freaked out about that. Cause they're like, Oh my God, you didn't even like touch my mm-hmm. neck or you exactly. didn't touch my back. Yeah. So, um, I do not have a problem with dry needling. It is a form of acupuncture. It's what they call ashura needling in Chinese medicine, which means painful point. So it means that it's outside of an actual classical point, right? We're just poking on something and you're like, ow, that hurts. Okay, we're going to release that. So we, you know, Chinese medicine can do uh, dry needling, but we have so many other tools in our toolkit well, to release pain. And I think you're going to see dry needling, like when you go to physical therapy Absolutely. or something there, they yeah. seem really gung ho on that lately, yeah. but mm-hmm. make yeah. no mistake. You're not getting acupuncture if you're getting dry needling at your PT. Right. And it, <laughs> and it's one of those things to keep in mind that they both serve a purpose mm-hmm. and you can get both of them at the same time. And that, you know, PT is going to take care of something different than what acupuncture is going to take care of. Right. So it's not a one or the other kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I always tell people because they're like, can I get dry needling with this? And I'm like, absolutely. If you, you know, if you're doing it, I do. I do educate people on making sure that they understand where this whoever the PT or the chiropractor, whoever, where did they get their education and, and what was their education? Because there is safety involved. Even though the needle looks like a cat whisker, you can do a lot of damage with it. <laughs> So, you know, you want to be, you want somebody who, who, who has the education and the time, the the supervision, you know, for example, I had 1300 hours of, of needles, you know, supervision of watching me put needles in people. Right. And so you just want to make sure that that safety is there. Right. This has been an amazing conversation. Is there, are there, I mean, there's a million more things to talk about. I guarantee you we could do this all day. But for the uninitiated who maybe this has been a first uh, conversation into having uh, acupuncture and, and really understanding it at a different level, is there anything else people really should know or uh, do or say or understand before that, that, I, that we have not touched on? I think that this was a really great, thorough discussion. I do. And and I think that um, go out and experience it for yourself. Yes. You know, find somebody that you, you have a rapport with and experience it because it's, you know, it's hard to describe. I have, I have a veteran who I've worked with for almost four years now. He is off all of his medication. 
his traumatic brain injury is, you know, he's functioning much better. And he, he, he tells me all the time, he's like, I don't know how to describe what has happened with acupuncture. I, I try to tell people all the time, here's what you're going to experience. And he's like, I don't know how to describe it. So I always tell people, go experience it because that's where you're going to really get, you know, you're going to feel it just like Suzanne at the beginning with her migraines, you know, it's like, whoa, okay. Well, and find a girlfriend. I mean, yeah. that's how I found you is yeah. another friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours recommended yeah. you to me and I trust her and now I trust you. Yeah. And so, yes, give it a try. Right. If you are dissatisfied, if the experience isn't, not everything you hope for, like I'm pain free, everything is perfect because that's not what you're going to get. But if you, the vibe isn't there, if you didn't feel heard, try somebody else. Don't don't try a one and done. Just give, give it a chance. Uh, because Suzanne and I are never going to stop talking about acupuncture. Right. Well, and a great thing about the advent of the internet is that you can go and check people out. Yeah. You know, and you can go to the local, you know, your state association. Each state has an acupuncture association. Oh. You can Google that, and they will have a listing of acupuncturists on that site. You can also go to um, the NCCA. O-M. It's a very long <laughs> acronym, um, but you can go on that site. That is the national uh, board certification site for acupuncturists. So you can go there and you can also look for acupuncturists there. Brilliant. And I, I just want to say one more thing too, if I may, that your acupuncture might be covered by your insurance. So be, Good, yes. be aware that you want to investigate that if you have, it might be under that section with physical therapy, you might have a certain number of acupuncture treatments that are covered by insurance. It might be that you have to work with certain practitioners in order to have it paid for that way. Um, or it might be that you could submit the claim yourself to your insurance, but just don't forget to investigate that it's something that might be covered. That's amazing. Huge, huge point. Yeah. And acupuncture is is definitely being covered by a lot more insurers. And one big win that we had over the last year is that Medicare is now covering uh, acupuncture for back pain. Oh, my God. For low back pain. So it's kind of the door is opening ever so slightly, but it is opening. Um, so, yeah, definitely check with your insurance companies to see you know what, what is covered with acupuncture. This has been remarkable. Stephanie Ann. My God, a fountain of information. Yes. And Suzanne, the fact that you also have acupuncture training has just brought this full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my I, pleasure. This has just been amazing. And something tells me that we're probably not done talking about acupuncture uh, in our series, and in which case we would love to you know, bring you back in in whatever way I we would can. Love that. Yeah. Uh, for references to a lot of the things we talked about, to the sites to some of the, uh, we might put up a picture of the five elements so that you can take a look at that. That'll be on the website at www.theperimenopodcast.com. And so again, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, This has just been outstanding. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you, Suzanne. Join us for our next episode of the Perimeno Podcast as we move out of treatment options and back into talking about some of the symptoms that you may be experiencing. Next time, we're going to talk about pop, pop, pop. I guarantee your joints are popping more than they ever have. Will you be surprised to know that they're yet another symptom of perimenopause? 
Probably not. Join us next time as we talk about your joints going snap, crackle, and pop. to visit our website where reference material and links to other podcasts are held, please visit us at www.theperimenopodcast.com. If you have questions, comments, thoughts for another episode, please feel free to send us an email at theperimenopodcast at gmail.com. Find more episodes wherever you get your favorite podcast. Hey, please do us a favor. If this information has been helpful for you, please like us, write a review if you're so inclined, and most importantly, share this podcast with another sister so she can be informed too.